Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast of us. <clears throat> Thanks for joining us for podcasting reasons. This is Angel. And Nikki. And I'm on the struggle bus. God, buckle in. So, we are real. episode what? Like 135 or so? We are continuing on with Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. Get her uh, face in your brain before we start going because that helps. Frowny, frowny face. Your yeah, fucking frowny. fish mouth. Your frowny smiley yeah, face. Your thin trout mouth <laughs> motherfucker. God. Me. Meep. Go. <laughs> Go. So, she does look like a meeper. Meep. <laughs> that dick on that fucking smile. There's, and those, uh, mm, there's so much. I like. I can't even begin to tell you all of the everything about her that makes my asshole just pant. Everything. I just. I just want to punch her in the fucking head. Anyway, so before we get started, if you guys want to check us out on social media, you can do so. Instagram. You have gory underscore Nikki. Color Me Dead Angel, and the Color Me Dead podcast. If you want to find us on Twitter, Color Me Dead Pod, and of course there is Facebook, and we have Color Me Dead podcast page, and we have Color Me Dead podcast group page. A great place for memes to send to other people who aren't in the group. <clears throat> and sometimes we talk about murder, and sometimes it's just fuckery most foul, so what else? Right. I mostly engage in the fuckery most foul. Mostly. <clears throat> If you want, you can go check out ageofradio.org. You can you can listen to our show there. You can listen to other shows that are in our network. And you can also donate to our Patreon from there. Or you can go to patreon.com slash colormedead. And you can hear, usually the episodes are dropped early. And you can get so-sodes from there from a dollar to $75. Yes. And if you guys are looking for merch, you can find that as well. At colormedeadpod.threadless.com. Should you guys want to send something to our P.O. Box, you can find our box in Vernal, Utah. Whoa. P.O. Box, 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. That's where it is. That's where it is. It's right there. Where it's at. Yep, it's, a, it's there. I got two turntables and a microphone. So, so what had happened was, <clears throat> welcome to the Church of Jorts. Yes. <laughs> and if you are a Patreon, you'll know what the Church of Jorts are. For as low as one dollar, one dollar, dollar, dollar. We have Go. a lot of... That, lot of <laughs> that reminds me of the Price is Right, Wilda. <laughs> Come on, one dollar, one dollar, one dollar. Well, before you start, though, I want to say that our Patreons are pretty badass. I thought that it was going to kind of drop off no. with all this happening. And we've had so much extra support lately. Yep. It's been amazing. Yeah. We, like, um, a few of our listeners are going through tough times. And we totally understand that. And you guys don't owe us an explanation anytime Mm-mm. that you have to stop your pledge or lower your pledge. And uh, we just want you guys to know that we appreciate everything you guys do. But... Um, Thank you to our new Patreons. Thank you very much to our old Patreons. You guys are fucking awesome. And there's some that have been there for so long. It's so freaking badass of them. So awesome. I said fucking so hard 
that it like echoed. Fucking, 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 fucking like oh, that. Just the F part. <laughs> oh. Okay, now, now I just want to call you Dr. Jones because we were talking about Instagram <laughs> and it just got stuck in my head and I almost well, just Dr. Jones. introduced you as that, but you know that. Jones. You're, you're, you're Dave. Dave. <laughs> Dave. So, back at the ranch. With Dave. With Dave. All right. So... We left off on March 24th on the timeline. <clears throat> so the rest of the stuff that's been happening, um, there, there's a couple of few, a couple of few. <laughs> how, many, how many is a couple? A few. A couple of few. There's a couple of a few. <laughs> yes. Jesus. So <laughs> we left off on March 24th. There's been a lot of revisions to the timeline that I don't feel are super imperative to go over. So just remember at this point, all of Lori's lawyers have dropped her. She is solely represented by Mark Means. Also on the 24th, Justin Lum with Fox 10 News in Chandler, Arizona, receives an email from Nathan Moffitt with Chandler PD that they are very close to indicting Lori for her involvement in the shooting of Charles Vallow. They still haven't. Wait, when did he get murdered? I forgot the Back date. in July, 2019. Uh, 19. Remember on 7-Eleven, Slurpee Day. Yes, yeah, Slurpee Day. I still can't believe that they have that she hasn't been involved in it at all yet. <clears throat> well, you also have to remember that all of this didn't come to light until September, October. Yeah. So there was a good portion of the year that it was just natural caused. Well, th- that happens. Yeah. So on <clears throat> on the 30th of March, uh, Lori's lawyer, Mark Means, meets with Lori and is forced to meet in a public area wearing masks and passing all confidential paperwork through jail employees and speak on a phone that is on a recorded line. So this is uh, the reason I bring this up. Um, this this information is prevalent later during the bail reduction hearing because it, it wasn't systematic. That's not how it normally goes. You know, normally they, they meet in a confidential room, but due to COVID, they've had to meet in a public, like the public. Uh, and so it's recorded now. So so there was two uh, conversations that Mark Means and Lori had that were recorded <clears throat> by the jail. I wonder if she's more pleasant to talk to when you can't see that fish mouth. Well, she had a mask on during the last hearing. Oh, good point. So how was it? Was it better? No, I was kind of disappointed because I wanted to see the disgust on her face when she didn't get her bail reduced. She always looks disgusted with that fucking... She looks like that fucking fish on the wall, the singing fish. The, Mm -hmm. (laughs) The, what is that called? The bass? Mm Mm-hmm. Bubba the Big Mouth Bass or whatever? Have you seen uh, Hotel Transylvania 3? Yes. You know the fish with the feet? Oh, yes. That's her. She's, I just, she's a fish with a foot. Fish with, with feet. A foot. <laughs> fish with a feet. <clears throat> so, um, also on March 30th, uh, Lori's Rexburg apartment goes back on the market after four months of hiatus after them fleeing, fleeing Idaho. Her what? Her apartment in Rexburg. Oh, yeah. Remember when uh, her, Alex, and Melanie all had apartments right next to each other in, in Rexburg? Mm-hmm. And then they flew to, yeah, um, they flew to Hawaii like the day after the wellness check. So that apartment finally went back on the market. So basically, they're saying she's not coming back to that apartment. Oh, bummer. Bummer. I bet everybody was hoping to see that beautiful face back. 
On April 2nd, Mark Means requests all discovery in the case regarding to the deaths of Charles Vallow, Joe Ryan, Tammy Daybell, and Alex Cox. Now, the reason I bring this up is because, uh, remember, Lori's being held on felony child desertion charges. She has not been charged with any crimes due to these deaths. Uh, this struck me odd because that means Mark Means is requesting this info, trying to get prepared for further charges. Um, hmm. Well... In, uh, in his request, uh, he also requests all information regarding the witnesses. Uh, the witness list is as follows. Adam Cox, Lori's brother. Alex Cox, Lori's dead brother. Uh, Kay Vallow Woodcock, Larry Woodcock. Brandon Boudreau, Melanie Pawlowski. Melanie Gibbs, who is the, the friend in Arizona. Christina Atwood. I don't know who that is. Jack Daybell, which is Chad's father. Sheila Daybell, Chad's mother. Uh, Jason Gwilliam, which is Tammy Daybell's brother-in-law. Samantha Gwilliam, Tammy Daybell's sister. Summer Shiplet, Lori's sister. I'm kind of proud of myself for reading that and not saying Shitlet. Shitlet. <laughs> Just so you guys know. Wait, how do you be a, a witness when you're dead? Who? Alex Cox. You um, said witness list, dead yeah, brother. Yeah, so Alex Cox, there's also Charles Charles and Tammy were both on that witness list as well. Okay. So I'm wondering if it's just like emails that they may have had together. You know, oh, okay. Uh, just paper trails that they may have had. Mm -hmm. um, Ruth Mortensen, Detective Hope from Rexburg PD, Matt Daybell, which is Chad's brother, and Heather Daybell, which is Chad's sister-in-law. Um, Justin Lum, Fox 10 reporter, attempts at this time to set up a meeting with Lori Vallow in jail. She, accept, she accepts his request as a contact for her visitation, but she denies all of his correspondences. So, oh. yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, why even accept the... I don't know. It's kind of like giving him a little breadcrumb, like, here you go, and then not giving him the sandwich. It, well, it's kind of like... <laughs> no <laughs> sandwich for no you. No sandwich. Crust. <laughs> well, it's, it's a power move. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make a submission. I'm going to make a request for correspondence. Okie dokie, I accept. But you can write to me. I'm not writing back to you. Now the ball's in my court. I'm the boss. I mean, I've been pissed off and, and only taken requests or submissions. Submissions? <laughs> submissions. <laughs> and I don't respond. <laughs> uh, in the next few weeks, a few pertinent events, events happen. On April 7th, Prosecuting attorney for Madison County continues to argue Lori's bond, saying it shouldn't be allowed since she hasn't complied with the court's orders to produce the children. A She's days, in jail. How can she? It's Idaho State's fault. Yeah. They'd let her out. She'd do it. Well, that, that, she asked. She's already <laughs> asked. She's asked again. Let me out and I'll go get the children. The fourth time. <laughs> yeah. A few days later, on the 10th, the state of Idaho's Attorney General's office assumes full responsibility in the investigation of the suspicious death of Tammy Daybell and the couple's role in the involvement. It's natural. They are being the natural <laughs> caused death of Tammy Daybell. They are being investigated for conspiracy, attempted murder, and murder in Tammy's death. I wonder how far this would have gone if the kids wouldn't have disappeared. Like, I bet they would have got off on both of those murders yeah. without... The kids was the big, they were, that was the big breaking point in this That's whole thing. That's freaking insane. You can have a pool party the day your husband's shot in the chest and nobody thinks anything of it. I wonder if Lori's thinking like on Scooby-Doo, I would have got away with it too if it wasn't for them damn kids. <laughs> yeah. Meddling kids. <laughs> Meddling kids. All I did was get rid of them. <laughs> they were zombies. I did the world a favor. Yeah. They had to suffer. <laughs> on April 29th, 
attorney Sean Bartholick drops his client, Chad Daybell. So Chad Daybell, if you remember right back in February, I believe, Chad and Lori got separate lawyers, remember? Yes. They were re- both represented by the same lawyers, and then Chad went and got his own lawyer because of conflict of interest or something like that. Anyways, on April 29th, a few weeks ago, Sean, we'll just call him Sean. Please do. Drops his client, Chad Chinny 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 I was going to ask you if they had to separate their lawyers because Chin needed a separate one, but I decided not Three to. lawyers, one for each Chin. <laughs> uh, so the chi- so, uh, so Chinny 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 Actually uh, signed with Mark Means. So now Lori and Chad are both sharing a lawyer again. So the, there's no more conflict of interest? Right. No. No bitches. Side note, uh, just I, I I put this in here just to remind everybody because as we're going through the story, it seems like uh, Charles had a lot of money or Lori had a lot of money that you know they they lived in nice houses, they've had nice vehicles, um, mm. you know they took off to Hawaii for quite a few different times. However, <clears throat> I just want to remind everybody they didn't have a lot of money. Charles didn't have a lot of money. The only you know the thirty five thousand dollars that Lori stole from the business was payroll. That was payroll for his business. That all that money was had places right. to go. They didn't have, they didn't have any assets. They didn't own any homes. Um, so there wasn't a ton of money. So in my opinion, uh, I, I feel like Mark means is doing this pro bono mm-hmm. for the publicity because this is, oh, yeah. this is now a nationwide case. Um, so I, I, I think that's why Chad signed on with Mark means as well, because there's no cost involved and nobody else would take him. Yeah. And nobody else would take him. Well, and the ones that did, uh, she fucked that up by telling the truth to them, and now they don't want to do it. Yeah. I think. Um, so anyways, just remember the, that the money that they had been living off so extravagantly was Tammy's life insurance of the 430K. So they, <clears throat> they'd, they've gone to Hawaii. They'd lived there for a couple of months, um, flown to Maui. They've uh, gotten houses here and there. So that money, you know, it's it's got to be coming to an end. So it's pretty... That's pretty obvious that uh either mark means is doing this all pro bono or uh the money's going to run out with mark as well and he'll probably end up dropping them after the last bail hearing reduction that they had bail reduction hearing that they had i don't see mark means lasting much longer anyways uh and i'll go over that in a little bit but Lori was obviously she was she was visibly pissed off leaving the courtroom uh with mark means after the result well, four hundred and whatever thousand dollars is a lot of freaking money to blow through that fast, though. Yeah, but think about Hawaii. I mean, they're they're spending twenty five hundred three grand a, a month in rent. At least. Um, at least. I mean, I mean, yeah, those are ocean. They were living in oceanfront properties. They were flying. I mean, they flew to Maui for a, a day and flew right back. But I guess in their in their little brains, our world's going to end in July. So why would they need to save any money? Exactly. They don't need to. I, I July twenty second, we done. Exactly. I think that that was their plan was to was to get Charles' uh, life insurance money, Tammy's tra- uh, life insurance money, and, and then just live go balling, live the life until until yeah balling until Do until the end chains? of the world. How many chains does Chinny Chinny Chad have? Lift it, lift his chin up. If he was see. to die, would he have a life insurance policy on each chin? Think about that. Probably. I bet Lori has. There would be chin. There would be Chad. Chinny Chad, Chinny Chinny Chad, Chinny Chinny Chad. Maybe that's why she married him. She's like, look at the life insurance policy on that motherfucker. Is that how we get them? Because I think I'm pretty good here. I got a couple. 
<clears throat> so a day after uh, Chad signs on with Mark Means on the 30th, the preliminary hearing for Lori Vallow is moved to the 7th and 8th. Or is moved from May 7th and 8th to July 9th and 10th. Ah. So, yeah. So we got to wait. Um, so notable dates. And the re- I put this in here now just because it, her hearing is now her preliminary hearing. And this is not bail reduction. This is the preliminary hearing for the child desertion charges that she's facing and being okay. held on. Is moved to July 9th and 10th. So notable dates on uh, July 22nd is the date that um, they predicted to be the end of the world. And they haven't changed that at all? Nope. That, they haven't wavered. That's, that's, the, that's the their date. date. July 22nd. All right. And uh, they also believe, they, they believe themselves to be gods and that they are in charge of gathering the 144,000 people. So they're not, it, it, in, in retrospect, they're not afraid. They're not worried about the money that's being blown. They're not worried about being in jail because honestly, in a couple months, they're going to, she okay. in her mind, she's going to be out anyways. But what is... Does she need to do something in their little thing? Is that why she needs to get out? Why she wants the re- I honestly reduction? believe that there's a couple reasons she wants to get out. I think she wants to get out to flee. Well, yeah. A, or B, double suicide, double natural cause themselves. Um, I they, There's rumors that they had been discussing a double suicide on the beaches of Hawaii uh, before she went to jail. Um, so I, that's what I think. I think they were either going to off themselves or... Um, or flee, try to flee. Anyways, another notable date is May 25th. Um, that's JJ's birthday. He turns eight. And I'm going to say that in present tense as if he's still alive. Um, he'll, he'll be turning eight years old on May 25th. Also, a notable Aww. date is May 16th, my daughter's birthday. Just throwing it out there. Happy birthday, baby. Happy birthday to be. I can't believe she's going to be 14. Okay, so that, that catches us up on all the current events. Now, there's a couple of things that have happened also that I want to go over. Um, the bail reduction hearing. If any of you get a chance, go to YouTube and watch this hearing. It is comedic, to say the least. Um, Mark Means, which is Lori and Chad's lawyer, mm-hmm. he comes in and he, he like I, I think I said this on the last episode, he looks like he just got back from a five-day bender in Costa Rica. You know, he's got suntan... Sh- <laughs> Yeah. So he comes in and the fucking prosecuting attorney makes fun of him because he's wearing it. He's not wearing a mask. He's wearing a bandana like he's ready to rob the motherfucking place. No shit. Yeah. And so he's like, um, <laughs> the prosecuting, prosecuting attorney says, uh, looking like Billy the Kid. And so they, yeah. they all laugh. But Mark doesn't really laugh. He's like, yeah, you know. Um, so anyways, Mark Bean starts off his argument with semantics like the motion was single spaced and not double spaced. Um, so this is like he goes through this. uh this hearing and it's all, it's all bullshit. You know, he's uh, basically saying that the motion that was filed was double spaced and not, or it was single spaced and not double spaced, basically um, stating that they're putting more information into the motion that they were supposed to. Cause the, it, when you, when you file a motion, you get 10 pages and um, you get 10 pages, double spaced. Well, he said that they single spaced it so they could fit more into this motion. And, and we're not even into the, the hearing you know, we're talking about the bail reduction. This is this was a motion that they had filed in response to his motion. So it's 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 just ridiculous. Remember that the whole reason. So this is the fourth bail reduction hearing that Lori's had. And it went from five mil to one. Went from five mil to one. So the first one was in Hawaii. Um, that they got they got denied from five million. <laughs> then they held another one in Hawaii where the judge was basically just saying, "You're wasting my time." 
Then she got moved to Idaho, and Judge Eddins lowered it from $5 million to $1 million based on uh, the fact that she was back in Idaho. Now, we're on bail reduction hearing number four. So... He can he uh so that was his that was his first argument was that uh trying to trying to uh what's it called dis discredit he was trying to discredit the prosecuting attorney by all the motions that he filed um trying to get him thrown out of court judge basically says start start producing some evidence or get the fuck out <laughs> so he moves on and then he goes on to argue the definitions and perceptions of the terminology of Idaho state's interpretation of the law. Basically saying, uh, in, in the state of Idaho, it was saying that, um, for a bail reduction hearing, the prosecuting attorney doesn't need to give any notice for witnesses or, or any arguments. This is a bail reduction hearing. It's not the, it's not the trial or the preliminary hearing for the actual charges. So he's arguing the fact that, um, that the prosecuting attorney was supposed to give seven days notice before uh, giving it, giving any of the witnesses and um, any of his statements. So they didn't, they, they actually turned all their stuff in the day before. So another, another funny thing to note was at the beginning of the hearing, uh, Mark means comes in, you know, they sit down and he starts to address the judge. Judge Mallard is her name, by the way. Um, he starts to ad address the judge and she asks him to please stand when she, when he's speaking to her. So then he argues her and says, uh, that's not really the correct procedure in other courtrooms, but you know, if that's what you want, I'll do it. And why, like what, what would, <clears throat> what would possess you as an attorney standing before a judge to even say that shit? It's not going to benefit you. If she asked you to stand, why even make the fucking comment? It, it, honestly, I'm like, I, like I said, it's pure comedy watching this fucking hearing. And now the I whole thing, to watch the it. whole thing, it's three hours worth of comedy. Um, so then, uh, so he agrees. He says he'll stand uh, to address her. He does at that time. And then the very next time he addresses her, he stays seated. And not only does he stay seated, but he stays slumped back in his chair like, oh, no, like he's in detention, <laughs> basically. <laughs> wow. Um, Perfect. Oh, I should have read this. Uh, so then he continues to stay seated throughout mm -hmm. the hearing, not only seating, but slumping back in his chair like he's sitting in detention. He argues that multiple is more than two. So they were talking about the phone calls that were recorded. So the... Wasn't a couple few. A couple few. So yeah. <laughs> Just a couple few. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> the jail admits that the two conversations were recorded. Um, however, they said that they, the minute they realized that they were recorded, they got rid of them. Um, he's saying that there were multiple conversations recorded and the judge uh, replied back. Yeah, they already said that the two were recorded. And he said, no, multiple is more than two. So literally they argued for about 25 minutes on multiple is two. His argument was multiple was three or more. So it's, it's, is it multiple more than one? Multiple would be more than one. But I, that's that's what I'm saying when with the comedy thing, like he 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 argued shit that just made absolutely no sense. And it was completely irrelevant to what. They were actually there for. And she says that multiple times. She's like, okay, getting back to what we're here for. How many times is multiple? Just kidding. It's a couple few. Couple, a couple few. few. Maybe they should have been more specific and said a couple few. Or six or seven. <laughs> six or seven. Six or seven of them. I mean, if it's just like six or seven, give her a few. Give her take a few. <laughs> give her a few. Give her a few. Give her a few a couple. 
But once you get to eleven, give a couple few. When you get to eleven, that's even more. Eleven. Eleven. Eleven of them. So, however, he argues he argues for a substantial amount of time that multiple means three or more. He also stated that uh, his conversations were recorded prior to COVID restraints, which wasn't true. So the the conversations that were recorded were on March thirtieth. Um, which was clearly after COVID came out. False. False. So the base, the judge basically calls him out saying that there are multiple statements in his affidavit that are sworn statements. Um, so she says at that time she cannot validate his statements. So this is where she says, if you're willing to come up and put your bar exam on the, on the line, then she'll take him in as sworn statements. And that's when he shut up. Then he went off on a different tangent about um, Lori's hardships so that was his first argument was that his his uh, calls or his conversations were being recorded with Lori and that he couldn't have uh, the the privacy the previous the, the privacy client your... client previous <laughs> the client privacy privacy. Privi- privacy the privacy of his client that he's been searching for <laughs> confidentiality he couldn't have the confidentiality That's that it. he needed so he she needed to be out of jail so when that was struck down then he went on to. Um, the fact uh, that the bail was too high. He literally says she can't. She can't afford this bail. <laughs> Everybody's well, got tax no. returns and COVID money. I don't know why she can't. And, <laughs> not only that, she, but that's the point of a fucking bail. Exactly. You know how many people can't afford their bail, so they're still stuck in jail. She's no different. You don't get stimulus if you're in jail. Well, but everybody that in the GoFundMe that has an opportunity <laughs> to donate has. <laughs> so he goes off and says uh that book sales are down chad's book sales are down what so he can't afford oh. the bail and then he's also saying that in uh that she is suffering from the coronavirus economy so she can't afford now keep in mind she didn't have she was unemployed before ever. She didn't have a job. She was unemployed during. She it. She's not a homeowner. She's not a property owner. She's not a business owner anymore because she stole all that money and killed her she's husband. She's barely a husband owner. She's killed the last three or four. <laughs> yeah. so, so that was his next argument was that Chad's not making any money off the book sales. Go figure. Nobody wants to support him. And that she's been extremely affected by the coronavirus economy. I would say that he should go work at a grocery store because that's booming, but he probably couldn't even get a job there right now. Those chins would get in the way of the bagging, uh, yeah. the grocery bagging. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to bag, but my chin's in the way. <laughs> Please say plastic. Please say plastic. I'm sick of the paper cuts on my chin. <laughs> God, you walk in there and he's got his COVID bandit bandana wrapped around his chin. He's, he's got his chins masked. Yeah. He's got two of them on. One a couple band aids. A couple band aids and some TP spots. Really. <laughs> so, anyways, during this bail reduction hearing, basically the judge calls him out the entire time. It's it's and she denies the bail reduction. So she's still stuck in jail on a million dollar bond. Well, and there's a lot more to that hearing, like that I could have talked about, but I I think. That's, that's the, like, I just wanted to kind of set the stage for what it was about. Like it was just, a, 
it, it was a big shit show basically. Um, there was no new evidence. The whole point of the fourth bail reduction hearing was because he said new evidence had come to light. The only new evidence was that uh, the jail system had switched because of COVID. So that, that was his new evidence. And so then he went off on all these other tangents about why the bail should be reduced. That didn't make any sense at all. So she struck it down. Bail reduction denied. So what happened was while we were talking, while we were getting recorded, we had to do like a lot of winking and a lot of nudging when we <laughs> talked about the kids going missing. <laughs> Finger, Finger quotes. quotes. And I didn't <clears throat> like that. I just like to be able to talk openly. Um, so that's that's all I have about the hearing. Now I just wanted to point out a few things. So Dateline did an episode um, two weeks ago on the whole the whole ordeal. There were some new things that were brought to light during the Dateline episode that I didn't know about. I don't think anybody knew about. They interviewed Melanie. So Melanie and Ian are actually being an open book right now. Which Wait. Is, okay, tell us who Melanie and Ian are. I know we've talked about it a few times. Melanie. There's so many people. I know. That's what makes this whole story hard to hard to like tell somebody else because there's just not only is there so much shit, but literally by tomorrow there's going to be new shit added to the past stuff that we've already done. And trying to catalog all the names of who oh is who, it's like oh shit. So Melanie is Lori's niece, mm-hmm. the one who's following in her footsteps. Tried to have Brandon killed. Oh yeah. Remember Brandon has the kids now. His Tesla has no window. Yep. All that shit. Goddamn Tesla. So, and I think that there's more about uh, Ian and Melanie that we didn't discuss in the last episodes either. Um, basically, he had wore, wore a wire for the FBI against her. No shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he talks about it in the Dateline episode. Uh, there's a... Uh... Shit, what else? Oh, he had, he had sent emails to his wife saying... Um, I don't know what I, what I got myself into. I don't know what I'm in the middle of, but I, I don't want my kids for my weekend. Keep our kids. So this is Ian talking to his ex-wife mm-hmm. saying, I don't know what's going on with Melanie and her followers. Keep our kids. I want them safe. I want, I want them to stay with you. Uh, so there's a, there's a bunch of emails oh, that they found on his computer and stuff like that. And, uh, and all that was prior to him wearing the wire with the FBI. Since then he's back on Melanie's side. So he wore the wire, uh, did what the FBI told him. In Dateline, they ask, are you still cooperating with the FBI? And he said, not like I was. He said, obviously, all communications go through our lawyers at this point. So back then, he was, I think he was trying to protect himself. Um, but Melanie Melanie, and Ian are being an open book at this point. They're, they're accepting interviews. Dateline did an interview on them. Um, Melanie continues to, uh, I've got another interview on my phone that I want to go over with, um, I think it's Nate Eaton. So just so you guys know, Justin Lum from Arizona fucking badass he's the reporter that's been on on this since Uh the beginning um he's a stud nate eaton out of idaho is a fucking stud those two reporters have been non-stop covering this case and they've they've haven't missed a beat the biggest thing to come out in my opinion in this episode is colby's relationship not only with his mother but with her third husband joseph ryan oh yeah so joseph ryan is tylee's real dad Mm -hmm. i notice um Remember, he died of a heart attack in 2018. He natural caused. He, na- he natural caused. Those natural causes are getting everybody. Um, Colby states that growing up with Lori was... Uh, or Colby states that growing up, Lori was a great mom. Um, always fun to be around. Very loving. Very involved. This is very different from the Lori that we've seen on TV for the last couple months. Um, Colby also states that not only... 
not only was Joseph Ryan physically abusive, but he was also sexually abusive to Colby. Now, backtracking again, remember that Alex Cox was thrown in jail back in 2008, I want to say, for attacking Joe Ryan because of allegations that Joe Ryan was sexually abusing Tylee. Oh, shit. Remember that? Remember when he tased he tased Joe Ryan? Yeah. And then Alex Alex wrote to his friend saying, hey, send me a picture of Joe Ryan with his address. There's some friends in here that'd like to know where he lives. So that's kind of a... Colby was kind of reiterating and, and confirming that that shit happened. So um, uh, Colby didn't go into details at the extent of the abuse, but it's clear... It was very clear by his demeanor that uh, he is still dealing with some of that trauma. What a natural cause, that son of a bitch, too. Right. <laughs> so, and I think, uh, I don't know if you guys know that Alex Cox's autopsy came back. Mm. I did. It did. I knew. Okay. We'll go into that in a minute for the lawyer, for the listeners. For oh, the yeah. I for, think. For Lola Lawyers. For Lori's Lawyers, where we last left you. Also wanted to add in here that... So Annie Cushing, you guys remember Annie Cushing, mm-hmm. Joe Ryan's sister. That's mm-hmm. whose timeline we were reading, mm-hmm. who, who got a lot of this information from. She responded after Dateline on uh, the Christmas Misery page. And uh, she basically states that she was aware that Joseph was physical with Colby. And she witnessed it firsthand. And that's what led to the uh, to Annie and Joe being estranged when she confronted him. Really? So they stopped talking. She she confronted him on on how physically abusive he was with Colby, and that's what ended their relationship. Hmm. Uh, she also states that when Lori went to file for divorce, Lori approached her and asked her to make a statement about the abuse she witnessed, <clears throat> which was an incident where Joe dragged Colby up by his hair up the stairs. Oh my God! But Lori's lawyer asked that she, um, Lori 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 lawyer, Lori's lawyer also asked her to state that she witnessed the sexual abuse. Annie declined to do this because she never witnessed sexual abuse from Joe. Annie states that it seemed that Lori and her lawyer were disappointed that she wouldn't falsely claim witness to sexual abuse and dismissed her after that. Apparently Lori, Lori has history with shady lawyers. Hmm. You're not allowed to use the word lawyer anymore. Now it's attorney. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> legal you... counsel. No, because no, no that's an L. That's an then I'll attorney. just be like Lori's Lori's Lori, Lori, Lori. Lori's legal lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> that motherfucker Lori brought with her. <laughs> that one guy. <laughs> Lori's counsel. So another thing that was brought to uh, light in the Dateline episode was uh, fast forwarding to Lori and Charles' marriage. Uh, Charles converted to LDS for Lori. Charles wasn't LDS prior. Dateline also goes to Kauai to interview the family friend named April. So April's a new player in the game. Um, we didn't know about her until Dateline. Like we needed more motherfuckers in this. There's so many names already. Really, there's quite a few hands in this cookie jar. So uh, Dateline goes to Kauai to interview a family friend named April. Lori met April when her and Charles moved to Kauai and became very involved in the LDS church there. April states that Charles and Lori were a very happy couple, always involved in activities with the church and the events for the children. She says that she felt, or she feels so close to Lori because she is also fellow divorced LDS woman. Sinners. Sinners. (laughs) Well, then you should be excommunicated for that because you don't, you're not supposed to get divorced. (laughs) That's the the funny thing is somebody posted that on the LDS, on, on the Christmas misery page. Um, she's like, it seems like there's a lot of divorces going on. Does that really happen outside of the LDS church? Oh, I had a field day with that one. 
Basically stating that people in the LDS church don't get divorced, which they have divorced the highest divorce shit. rate. I was like, our own grandma. My dad and mom. Is divorced. Oh, yeah. My mom and dad are divorced. Oh, Almost yeah. everybody I know has been divorced once in the LDS church. Yeah. Almost everybody I know. Everybody? Everybody. 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 All right, so eventually... Lori and Charles leave Kauai because Charles' business starts to suffer by trying to manage it from Kauai. He started his business in Chandler. So Lori returns to Kauai eventually for 50 plus days and ask, ask April if she could stay with her. Do you, so you guys remember back in the timeline, Lori disappeared for 48 or mm-hmm. yeah. over 48. Just so she could show him what it was like. <laughs> yeah. So she left and took Tylee and left JJ with uh, Charles. Um, back in early 2019. That was January of 2019. So Lori returns to Kauai eventually for 50 plus days and asks April if she could stay with her. That her and Charles were not doing well. April, April states they think they just had a fight and that Lori wanted a vacation. Oh, so now we know where she was. So now we know where she was and who she with. There's a piece of the puzzle. <laughs> That's the one that fell on the floor that we couldn't find. <laughs> so April states that when uh, when she met Lori this time, Lori was not the same Lori she remembered. Lori speaks of being a translated being, portals, zombies, dark and light beings. April says this is not normal LDS beliefs and express her concern to Lori because these are radical beliefs. Lori then tries to convince April to be, to be a follower and that she came to Kauai to begin gathering the 144,000 people and she believed that April was one of them. April declined that offer and Lori left. Dateline also interviews Lori's niece, Melanie, and her new husband, Ian. Note it. Note. Note it. Note it. No T. Note No T. There's no double E. No T. Melanie and Ian met on an LDS dating website and were married two weeks later. Ian says that shortly after their marriage, the FBI contacted him and asked him to be wired and try and get Melanie to discuss the location of the kids. He agrees and records Melanie for a couple of weeks. He keeps this secret from Melanie until he starts to see all the media slander and admits to Melanie what, is, what he has been doing. Ian has now turned his back on the FBI and refuses to help them any further. Melanie acts all humble and sweet the entire time, trying to convince everyone that they are just your normal sweet momos and states we, are, we aren't a cult, we are just people doing our own thing. All right, uh, Melanie also states, that, states to Dateline that when she moved into the apartment next to Lori and Rexburg back, to, back in October, she never saw the children. She just assumed that Tylee was out and about because she was a super independent kid and didn't and nothing seemed abnormal to her. But that doesn't explain where JJ, who is very much not independent, would be. She said she never asked Lori where they were because why not? They were just people doing their own thing, right? I mean, I'm an antisocial motherfucker, so that is not un- uncommon for me. But they're at an apartment building and they're related. Yeah. That's a little different. Right. Like, my sister lives really close to me, and I see her kids on, you know, at least every few days. And if you didn't see her days. kids, you'd probably say, hey, where your kids is. Right. Because she usually brings her kids. She rides in the arena back here, and she usually brings her kids with her, which they usually end up in my backyard, which is fine. But when they when she doesn't, I'm like, hmm, I wonder where they is. Where they is. Where the kids is. Where the Show kids your- is. <laughs> Show me your kitties. <laughs> Show me your kitties. Hashtag. Hashtag show me your kitties. Yes. Um, another another thing that I wanted to note is there was another girl that uh, they interviewed. I can't, and this is I, this just barely came to my mind, and I I forgot about it. 
there's another girl that they interviewed who was a part of the um, preparing of people in Aval. She left uh, the group, and when she left, they uh, Chad Daybell had basically said that she'd become dark and that she was a zombie and that none of the other members were allowed to talk to her anymore. So that's pretty uh, cultish, too. That if, yeah, if, I don't know, man. That sounds, sounds a little culty to me. <laughs> so if uh, you know, yeah, she she said that she didn't want to be a part of the group anymore, and so all of a sudden she turns to a zombie, and no one's allowed to talk to her anymore. So just another notable. So that's what they call them: is zombies when they they're leave. not apostates. They're not non-believers. They're not inactive. Excommunicado. They're not inactive. Less active. Less active. They're zombies. They're a zombie now. I like that analogy. <laughs> However, if they really However. believe that you're like a brain-eating some bitch, you've got a problem. So I just I also found this um, after I had written everything. Mm-hmm. It's a, a it's an interview with Melanie Pulowski, and she speaks about her childhood, her family deaths, and her sudden Las Vegas wedding. If you guys want to go into that at all, yeah. This is from the the reporter that I had spoke with about earlier, Nate Eaton. Okay. From, from East Idaho News. Um, so he interviewed Ian and Melanie, and this is basically what was said. Um, two key people tied to the Lori Vallow Daybell are speaking about their relationship with her, Daybell's missing children, and the death of Daybell's brother, Alex Cox, and other events that have come to light over the past few months. Melanie Pawlowski is Daybell's niece. She married Ian Pawlowski last November and lived next door to Daybell in Rexburg during the time her children were missing. Melanie is currently involved in a custody dispute with her ex-husband, Brandon Boudreaux, regarding their four children. Brandon was shot at in October and Belise Cox, his ex-wife's uncle, was the shooter. So then we're going into the interview, basically a transcript of the of the interview. Uh, Nate Eaton asked, the first thing I want to ask Melanie and Ian is your reaction to the autopsy results which came out Friday concerning Melanie's uncle, Alex Cox. What did you think when you heard the news? So just so we're, we're all aware, Alex Cox's autopsy came back and it came back as natural, natural causes. causes. <clears throat> However... The natural causes was blood eb- blood clot and embolisms, mm-hmm. um, which can be brought on from stress, they mm-hmm. said. So remember, Alex Cox was a healthy, No, uh, he had complained about, uh, a, I guess he had complained a week before about heart pain and stuff. And um, Zalim, I guess he had medications, but he wasn't taking them. Uh, so they, then looking into it a little bit further, some people have stated that uh, embolisms can be brought on by stress. Mm-hmm. And if you remember... Uh, the day before he died, Tammy was exhumed. Oh. I suppose that might cause somebody's blood pressure and stress level to... It causes that yourself could naturally to natural cause, cause. To embolisms. <laughs> when you have everyone believing that she natural caused, but you were the natural cause. So you, you naturally caused yourself. So Melanie Plosky, this was her response. It was relieving, but we weren't surprised. We knew that it would be natural causes. We had no reason to think anything otherwise. I think it was just a comfort, like finally this part is over and one more stepping stone to just keep revealing the truth. And then the second half of the day, Gilbert, please say it's still under investigation. It feels like every time we get a little bit of good news, there's a little bit of a drag too. But overall, just relief and comfort to be in the right direction. <clears throat> Mark Eaton, you mentioned that police are still investigating and there's, uh, there's going to be people watching that still don't believe the results or say something more here. What do you say to them? Melanie, you post the truth out there and people have already made up their minds and decided. Ian made a bad joke saying, did they test for all invisible poisons? 
people will still think whatever speculation or rumors or whatever they want to believe, even when it's right there in front of their face. When Tylee and JJ show up and are here again, I don't know if people will even, would even believe it. They still go on with their own, but still they've done something bad and a lot of people have already made up their minds. We just want to come on and share what we do know and share the truth and hopefully uh, keep getting opportunities where more people will be open to that and be able to listen. <clears throat> Melanie, Alex was your uncle and a lot of people have thrown questions out there to why he died. Was, just, was this just a big coincidence? Do you think there might be something more here? There was, a, there was an absolute shock when I got the call from Zulina, Zulima Pastines, Alex Cox's wife. She was telling me that he had died. I had spoken with Alex earlier that day and he seemed okay. But I knew the week before he was having trouble. He was overall a pretty healthy guy, but stubborn. He wouldn't do regular checkups and was just a tough guy. I was going to bring, up, bring him some of his stuff because he had moved down to be with Zalima. And he had said, let's not meet up halfway. Let's wait. I'm not feeling very good. That was big of him for to say because he never would have said that he wasn't feeling good. The week before, he said he had lightness in his chest or tightness, tightness in his chest and trouble breathing. He, he said he had bent down to get a water bottle and, took a, and it took the breath out of him. I was absolutely worried and was like, you need to get to the doctor. And he was like, no, 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 I'm fine. So that morning I called him and Ian was at work. He was somebody I could kind of just, you know, could, you could tell him anything. He's like a vault. I was just openly telling him about things in my new marriage, things that were challenging or things that were going really well. And he was just my best friend at that point. He shared some things that I just felt I needed to write them down when he started talking to me. Mark Eaton, like what? Melanie, he said, <clears throat> Melanie, the most important thing in your marriage is to be loving, be supportive and be patient. He kept repeating that. And I was like, I need to remember that always. It was his last words to me, and I don't know that, but it was really so, it was really just special like that. He just said, everything's going to be fine. Just keep moving forward. You're going to have your kids back soon, and everything's going to work out. Just go on, go on in faith. Later that evening, I got a call from Zalima, and I was excited. I started telling her about my day and that it shifted. I was just kind of in shock for a little bit, and I fell to the floor. I just, fell, I just felt all of the feelings of, of losing a close friend. I hadn't been very close with Alex most of my life. I was closer to my aunts and even my other uncle. Alex was a truck driver, and after starting to have challenges in my last marriage, you could just call him. He, he always answered. He would just talk and let you talk to him. And I do talk a lot, and he, he would just let me vent. And he would never put somebody down or judge them. He would just say, how, here's how you handle that situation. Nobody could do any wrong in his eyes. He was just a very positive and somebody that was so influential to be around when I'm going through the hardest thing and, and missing my four children. And that's what Melanie said? This is what Melanie said. Of course she's going to say that. She doesn't want to paint him out to be anybody bad. Right. Because they're all in the same fucking She's also the one that said we're not in a cult. We're just doing our own thing. Mm -hmm. We're not culty. <clears throat> uh, Mark Eaton asks, how is Zulima doing? Melanie, I love Zulima with all my heart. I feel like it's been really hard. She hasn't been able to really mourn and grieve the loss of her husband with all the accusations. She doesn't really feel ready to come forward and share her story, and I respect that. She's still just trying to get through every day and missing her husband, but she's doing okay. Mark Eaton, has there been some limited information that come out about each? There has been some limited information that's come out about each of you, and I'm wondering if you could tell us about yourselves, how you guys met, how you ended up in Idaho, and then back in Arizona. Ian answers. I grew up in Southern California and I got married in 2010. I moved to Idaho in 2011 with my ex-wife, Natalie, and we have two kids together. Right now they're nine and seven, Max and Lily. 
They're fantastic kids. I miss them a lot right now, and I would love to get them down here to Arizona. I started school at BYU-Idaho. I never finished. Just work, school, and being a dad was too much. And I just figured I'd work. On our ninth anniversary, Natalie asked for a divorce. That was in March of 2019. We worked our way through and got it all wrapped up in July. I decided to jump back into dating a little. I decided to jump back into dating a little bit. It wasn't really my goal to find a wife. I just wanted to find people to hang out with. At the same time, I had just gone through a really rough divorce, and it kind of tore me up. I'm trying to put my life back together and was maybe looking for a little bit of validation, just somebody to talk to who's not going to judge me and push me away. I downloaded some of the dating apps and found Melanie on one of them. I asked her on a date that day. I don't feel like I communicate well over text. I'm sarcastic a lot and I don't come across well in text sometimes. So I invited her out to dinner. We went to Mackenzie River. What month was that? That was in November. Yeah, the first week of November I moved. We were across the street from each other but didn't know it. Ian. I don't know how to describe it other than everything just kind of clicked with her. We'd had so many similar experiences in the way of our divorces and struggles. And we understood each other. I found no judgment with her. No preconceived notions, she just wanted to get to know me. We spent the next two days basically just talking constantly. It was just easy to click, and I didn't have to try and do mental gymnastics to justify a second date. Um, I just, I that's really have, fucking fast. Yeah. I didn't have to All of them were fast. Jeez, Louise. I just, I just wanted to get out there in the dating pool. Bam, we're married. Fucking tomorrow. And if your date goes well, you they propose. Get married. You propose. And you go to Shane's, not Jared. Jared is oh, less active. <laughs> because Jared is open on Sunday. And if you buy your engagement ring on a Sunday from Jared, then your marriage is doomed it's to heck. It's all to heck. All to heck. You want to go to Shane? Come on. <laughs> Wait. So the very next question is, then you got married shortly after. <laughs> yeah. Ian, correct. So one of the things that led us to getting married so quickly was our children. She had four kids, and one of the first things I put on my bio is that I'm a dad. I've got two kids I love with all my heart, and I want them to be a big part of our lives. I still haven't had the opportunity to meet her kids yet, and I can't wait to. The first time we came to Arizona, I came down with my two children to have Thanksgiving with my family. Melanie was talking about how she didn't have anybody to go to Thanksgiving with, and so I invited her to come with, be with my family. It was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. She showed up, and my kids immediately fell in love with her. My daughter can be a little shy, a little standoffish, and just immediately was attached to Melanie. She wanted to take her around and show her everything she'd been doing, play games with her, and tell her everything that's on her mind. Just to see Melanie interact with my kids, it made me really fall hard, really fast for her just because how sweet she was and good with them. Melanie. We got married November 30th. It was really fast. I was in this battle with my ex, and I don't have, I didn't have my kids with us, but we both... Pray about decisions together, and we felt that it was right. A Vegas wedding wasn't dreamy or anything, but it was our goal to be sealed in the temple one day. So we said, let's let's do this when we have Max and Lily, and then we have Braxton, Brighton, Blake. Good Lord. Are you serious right now? Kaden! <laughs> Kaden! made it! It's time for a family, family home evening! <laughs> And then we'd have Braxton, Brighton, Blake, and Breeze, too. <laughs> oh, no! Uh, Braxton, Brighton, Brayden, Peyton. <laughs> Max, Lily, Braxton, Brighton, Blake, Breeze. Bradison, Breezy. <laughs> That's the problem with dating at our age. That's why I'm like, there's so many children. 
<laughs> Why are there so many? Why are there so many? Mm-mm. So then she, they basically said, let's do this all together. When, uh, let's do this when we can all be together on that special day. Eaton, did you guys have a joint wedding with Alex and Zalima or was that separate? Melanie, Alex and Zalima had been dating for several months and Alex was very ready to marry Zalima. She, she was waiting until she got an answer. Several months. An answer. An answer from above. She knew that she was supposed to be with Alex, but she was going to wait until it felt like the right time. They had talked about wanting to get married in Jackson or Las Vegas. And so it just happened when they picked their date, they had more of a plan than Ian and I did. The coincidence of us picking the day right after them wasn't planned or anything. It was just what happened. We made the decision in Arizona during Thanksgiving and said, let's do it. And while we were there, we needed a witness and Alex and Zuluma are already there. There wasn't a big wedding party or this wasn't our big wedding day, just the beginning of our lives together. And then we'll have that special moment when we're all together as a family. What was the date of their wedding? The 30th of November. And Chitty Chad and What's Her Ass got married in November, didn't they? Earlier mm-hmm. in November? Yes. And so all of them got married. In I'm November. seeing a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> you think? And they all got divorced in fucking March or something. And everybody's natural causing around them. All the natural causes. And then they naturally just got married four months after <laughs> they started dating people. Naturally got married. It's the natural order. I went to Las Vegas and Alex and Zalima were naturally there. <laughs> well, they were already there. So they naturally was our witness. Like you do. Fuck. Natural I can't. Order. Like, I'm getting anxiety thinking about getting married after four months and it's not even me. <laughs> so Mark Eaton asks, so they got married the day before you guys did. Melanie, we got married on the 30th and I think they got married on the 29th. Eaton. Was it just inti- was it just an intimate ceremony for the both of you? <coughs> Excuse me, <clears throat> Melanie. Free and I, we had two or three hours. We got a dress and a tux and got all the kids dressed up and their hair done. I think the lucky little wedding chapel is where we picked, and it was. I think. I think we may I or may not have gotten married at. I'm the... not sure where it was. We were just walking in. <laughs> it was a small room. It was very intimate and quick. Not anything crazy or anything, but just special to us. Alex and Zalima were our witnesses. And it was planned last mm-hmm. second. We didn't have time to invite a lot of people. It was just on a whim decision, and we felt like it's what we should do. Eaton. Melanie, were you born and raised in Arizona? Melanie, I was born in Utah, but lived in Phoenix as a baby and then in California for a while. And then Seattle is where I spent a lot of time growing up. Eaton, your mother unfortunately passed away when you were young. Melanie, my mom got really sick a couple of years after having me. She almost died having me because she, was, she had a deep vein thrombosis blood clot. And the cock side doesn't really have great genes. My grandpa's had cancer and blood clots. And initially, my grandfather was told by the police that Alex, they thought a lung clot was the reason for his death initially. So that's what we thought this whole time. I think that my parents had a rough time when my mom got really sick with type 1 diabetes and gastroparesis. She didn't have the ability to absorb nutrients and was in and out of doctors and hospitals. And I think it was hard on my dad. I know there was some infidelity on his part and they tried to work through things and they just couldn't make it work i spent a lot of time in the cox home barry and janice my grandparents live in california and i lived with them for a while my mom was sick and i remembered my dad traveling a lot for his job and my mom finally felt like it like she was healthy enough when we moved to seattle and my dad got a job there it, it was just me my mom and my dad my mom couldn't have any more kids 
When I was six, I can remember the night my dad took me and said, we're going to go get gas, and we never came back. We left my mom there, and, and he turned the power off. He took all her credit cards, her planner, her, and just left her there. She was really sick to the point she couldn't really take care of herself. We hid out in a hotel for a couple months, and that started a nasty custody battle between them. I remember just being quiet and not really understanding what was going on. I just remember not seeing my mom a lot, but she fought as much as she could. I grew up with my dad, then later with my stepmom, and my dad got remarried. When my dad got remarried. I heard all manner of things about the Coxes, but my dad kind of cut off communication with them. My mom later passed when I was nine. Lori was the one that I... Lori was the one that called me and told me the news. She said, your mom's in a coma and she probably is not going to make it. I remember that phone call and I've always loved and trusted Lori. She's always been somebody that had so much unconditional love and no judgment, no drama, <laughs> no drama. Exactly. That's, She's that's like the, the entire fucking nation's use. drama right now. Yeah. And I admire her so much. I don't think I would have wanted to have that phone call by anybody else to give me that news. I remember flying up with my dad who took me to see my mom last time in the hospice. She passed and my dad didn't let me see or talk to any of that side of the family. I didn't know why other than he was saying all sorts of things about them. Finally, when I was 15, I found my uncle, Adam, a radio DJ. Fun fact, by the way. Do you guys do you what? guys remember that uh that dance party where the girl died from chugging too much water? Mhm. Adam was the DJ. Wait. No shit. I'm not fucking kidding. What dance party? Was it like were they competing to win something? Yeah. She's the one that drank all the water for the Wii and died. And held her urine for so long she so Adam Cox, Alex Cox's brother, Lori Cox's brother, was the DJ that hosted that party. Natural cause runs in the <laughs> it's family. Just, it's like it's it's like his uh infectious as COVID. <laughs> yeah, it is. You better shut down the nation. <laughs> All right, so finally I found my uncle Adam, a radio DJ. I think I Googled him on the computers in high school and I found him. And he and he was one of my favorite, favorite people in my life. I remember growing up and connecting all the ties from 9 to 15. For all those years, they didn't have me. And they tried sending packages, and my dad would return them. I never understood why. I just felt something off in my heart. But I have no judgment or resentment on my dad who did the things he did. I wish to this day he would just say it for what it was and be real about it, because that's how we grew. Mark Eaton. So did Lori somewhat raise you after your mother passed? Melanie. Mainly my grandma Janice. Lori was young and busy with her life, but she would take me and do fun things. Also my aunt Summer and my uncle Adam. <clears throat> I wasn't super close with Alex, but they were also important in my life. I didn't know that my dad had been telling everybody, hey, your mom died of anorexia. And she was mentally ill and basically made himself look like a hero. I have all of her medical records and the court documents. It's hard seeing the same patterns that happened to my mom now happening in my life where my kids are taken away from me wrongfully and things are said about me that aren't true. But my kids know who I am. My own father is helping my ex-husband right now. And they've had my kids at their house and don't tell me. I have bullying texts from my, from my dad. And they're very upsetting. I feel like you should love your kid no matter what. If all of these false claims were true. If I was crazy or in a cult or done something horrible. Shouldn't they just reclaim me with kindness and their daughter and love me anyway? It's absolutely heartbreaking that I don't have a good relationship with them right now where I feel like I can keep them close in my life. I'm kind of just loving them from a distance and letting everything play out. I don't judge anyone for all the things they're scared of or confused about. This case is heavy and it's unlike anything. 
I've never thought this would be our lives. It's unreal. Uh, Mark Eaton. There have been reports that Lori may have somehow been tied to your mother's death. That she may have been the first victim. Can you address that? Melanie. She died of natural causes. It's on her death certificate. She had type 1 diabetes and gastroparesis. <clears throat> she went to every type of doctor. And I think she got tested for everything. It was so, it was so clear she was far from anorexic. My dad ran with that story and it's hurtful and untrue and she's not here to tell the truth. Reading through the court documents, there's so many things he could have said because we were real open about our family and we we make mistakes. I most It was mostly just lies about, about everything. That's similar to what's happening in my family court case now. The same pattern. I think we go through these things to learn experience and seeing the same exact thing happen in my life now, it's too ironic. It's the same exact patterns. The end. Hmm. I just Googled um, Lori just to look up shit. And the first thing that came up was Lori Vallow's brother died of natural causes. Natural causes. <laughs> natural causes. We got natural causes. But what, that else? Just, what else we got? That just we got anorexia. Yeah. What else? <laughs> we got anorexia. What else? We got gastroparosis. Parosis. We got previous surveillance. <laughs> what else? Jerches. We got churches of Jesus Christ. Well, that just came out yesterday for sure that he natural caused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God damn. Well then. That's what I'm telling you. By, by the time this episode is, is aired, there's probably going to be another page of shit that needs to be added. Like shit just keeps coming. For real. It's the never ending just... hanky trick. I like, know. This is, this is how it goes. Don't you remember the OJ trials? Oh when, yeah. When you were in like junior high. Or, like, even the Casey Anthony shit. Like, it is months and months and fucking... Mints. Sometimes years. So many mints. There's some moons. It... Four score and seven years ago. Lori Fallow, natural cause for head <laughs> There was some natural causing... Revisions. <laughs> With the... Of the beneficiary. The beneficiary revisions of the surveillance. Jeez. Jerk. Heck. Well... Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this episode. We will see you again the following week. Yay. They're shorter but more frequent than um, we had planned. Okay. So. Okay, thanks for having me. Well, thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Dave. We'll thanks. probably thanks. have you back in a month or Adventure so. Adventure awaits. Depending on what happens. So whenever something comes up, We'll just have you back and we'll go go from there. But that's it. That's what we have for now. That's what we've got for now. Of the whole story of Finger the, quotes. That's... Of the fish face bitch. So perhaps Don't be a fish face. If you've got that face, perhaps try what? to make it more what? pleasant. Perhaps what? Hold on, I'm coming up with a close. Uh, uh, oh. I was looking for a closing line. <laughs> you were looking at me like I was supposed no, to say something. You were supposed to inspire no, something. Right? No, shut up. <laughs> I'm going to look at your face and see what you're fucking thinking. <laughs> but I need you to shut up. Don't be a person with a face. Mrs. Davis, fat ass in my face. Ice. And uh, stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. Goodbye. Goodbye. Fucking keeping that one.